Hello and welcome to Round the Table with Christian Concern. And we're delighted to have Calvin Robinson round the table with us today in person, uh, joining us, uh, as well as Andrea Williams. This is um, the first time that we're actually round the table. Because we hired <laughs> the ABAs. Wow. Yes, first time. So yeah, there we are. Round the anything, table. Calvin, anything can be <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> so Calvin, tell us tell us a bit about um, you know, your past and, and what, what's brought you to um, well you've got to see trying to get into touching but just tell us a bit about your, your career today. Sure. Well first of all, thank you for the invitation. I'm a big fan of Christian Concern. What you guys do here is so important. It really is God's work. So thank, thank you. you for that. Thank you. Um, where to start in my story? Um, I was working in technology and yeah. mobile app design and web, website design and that kind of stuff uh, yeah. while I was in university. Right. And when I left university, I continued and had a great time, made a lot of money, had a lot of fun, um, got drunk a lot. Um, but something was missing in my life. Mm -hmm. And this was part of the journey that led me to, to the church mm -hmm. that also led me to, to teaching. And I became a school teacher and a deputy head and, and a consultant for the DFE. In the state school, is this? In, always in the state sector, mostly mm -hmm. in Church of England schools. Right. Um, although they, you could argue they weren't really faith schools, but you know, yeah. a lot of them were nominally Church of England at least. Yeah. Um, and as I entered teaching, mm -hmm as a pursuit of a more fulfilling life and, and a, a way of giving something something back and being a more, more rewarding life as well, um, I found that that was the start of a calling, a, a more broader calling to what I now know to be ordained ministry. Right. And I've just spent the last couple of years at Oxford reading theology in order to uh, hopefully God willing. Is that Wycliffe? No, 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 uh, St. Stephen's House. Right, yeah. Um, the last remaining uh, Catholic seminary in the country, in the Church of England at least. Right. Um, and I've just finished there. Well, I officially finished on the 5th of June. A couple of weeks time. We're all, yeah. all wrapped up. Yeah. And God willing, at some point, I'll be ordained to um, a parish and do, to do parish ministry. Fantastic. Yeah. So, but then you were, the next step is to get a curacy, isn't it, in the Church of England? Mm -hmm. And something happened there that you didn't most get a curacy. <laughs> so just can you talk us through what happened there? Yeah. Um, it's quite difficult because you know I've been in this discernment process for about seven years now. It's a long um, time, isn't it? Lots of formation, lots of training, lots of group discussions, and and, and of course actual theological study at university as well. Mm. And it's all been off the back of my personal calling. Like I felt that God is calling me to ordain ministry, but the church has also validated and affirmed that calling and said, yeah. yes, we, we also believe that you are called to ordained ministry. Yeah. So there's the assumption there, although it's not, it's not a contract or a promise or, you know, there's an assumption that at the end of your training, you'll get a curacy and you'll go into a parish and be, be a curate yeah. um, as a deacon. Uh, and I was assigned a parish. I was assigned one. It was all settled by right. Christmas just gone. Uh, you know, we're on good terms with the priest there and we were all looking forward to it. The congregation, um, were waiting for the announcement, but they were very excited. And it all went quiet. I didn't hear from my bishops. Uh, I didn't hear anything for weeks and weeks became months. And I, ch I chased them up, like, can we have a chat? Can we have a meeting? What's going on? And the bishops eventually... Did the priest know anything about this or himself? No, no. no. So he was also waiting to... Yeah, because obviously he wants to get things... So he was so confirmation he's, he's from... He's expecting someone to be coming and helping him on the ground level. Right. Um, and he wants to make the official announcement, and he's told to postpone the announcement. Right. And then it, eventually I got this meeting with the bishops and discovered that there are reasons that they don't want to ordain me. Or they, they never actually turned around and said, look, we're not going to ordain you. Right. It was always political speak and double speak and 
it, it was like talking to politicians. You know, I talk to politicians quite a lot in my line of work and mm-hmm. you, there are two types. There are those that are principled and say what they believe. And then there are other types that are amb- ambitious and don't actually ever tell you the truth and can look you in the eye and you, you, they can tell Avoid you- the question all the time. They can tell you so many words and you don't yeah. actually hear anything. Yeah. And I got, that's the response I got from the bishops. That is, that is something that's very real in the church, in, in, in the church just generally. And I think yeah. which goes to the kind of lack of clear witness to the nation generally, to the discipling of the nation, yeah. to the discipling of the institutions. I mean, when I go into court and hear that judges can no longer take judicial notice of what the church believes marriage to be, mm. I mean, we have that yeah. in our cases. Uh, you realise that the church's voice has become so um, muddled that, uh, that the judges that don't even understand what our position is on yeah. mor- moral truths, in fact. But I'd like to just well, interrupt this, and no, not, no. not to make you lose your flow, because no. I, I look at you, uh, Calvin, and I've followed you from, for, for some time now, um, but I look at you and think, well, this is a strong, this is a man with a strong and vibrant voice in the political and public space, which, I, which we thank God for, um, who whose media profile is increasing, who's got a strong back backdrop story. Mm. But you're talking here as someone who's had this heart for seven years and a strong vocational call yeah. um, into parish, so local, into local yeah. ministry. So I'm here thinking, this is a man with an, a voice that speaks clearly into the national political discourse. Um, but your heart, what I'm hearing, your heart is clearly for this this local ministry and oh, can you and, and yeah. you're still and I know and you're still sitting here today saying my heart is for the local ministry and, and I think that uh, it'd be great to hear how come how come right. it's still there so yeah. you know while I while I've been training I've been offered a couple of jobs uh, running think tanks uh, you know six figure salaries I've been offered full time media work on radio and on television and I've turned them all down because it's not I'm not called to full time media ministry media work but I do feel like I've been gifted the platform and therefore I have an obligation and a sense of duty to use it for the good news to spread the good news so I do see my media work as a form of ministry but it's not I'm not here to to be a full-time tv presenter you know I'm called to the parochial system I'm called to the parish level to be there on the ground as a pastor Mm. as well as a teacher and hopefully a priest Um, and all of those things matter you can't take one and separate them from the others I think something we say at Christian Concern um, all the time is that we, 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 the hope of this nation is the local church. The hope in every community yeah. is to see a strong and vibrant witness to the beauty and truth and restoration yeah. that is Jesus Christ. And we're just longing uh, to see, well, people like you in parish ministry with, with, you know, with this absolute sense of calling. But mm. also clarity of teaching, because mm-hmm. don't we need mm. so much the clarity of what? what the, of course we do. Yeah. But you're yeah. already bolder than the church. You said you, we should be discipling the nation. That would be seen as incendiary language to the church at the moment. The hierarchy do not want to be discipling the nation. You it's know. On a, it's on what, of course they, it is. Why? Why? Why do they object to that? Because they're embarrassed. Embarrassed about what? The faith. Embarrassed about their own faith. Yeah. They're embarrassed and ashamed of themselves. You know, we we see this in the hierarchy when they stand up and say, "Look, we are." We are deeply saddened and we deeply, strongly regret that we are a racist institution. And it's all about dragging us down and pulling us down and, and being really insular and separate. And I don't think that's appropriate. First of all, I don't think the institution is racist because I don't believe in institutional racism. I believe that individuals have a personal responsibility to, right. to be good to each other. Yes. And if, if people are bad, 
Uh, mm-hmm. If people are racist, then of course there should be consequences to their actions. Yes. But you can't claim that an, an entire institution is racist without any evidence, of course. Right. Maybe the, you know in the past there certainly have been racist institutions, but at the moment in this country, we have equal opportunities under the law. We yes. have anyone can do anything if they work hard enough. Yes. Um, you know, meritocracy. And the previous Archbishop of York was um, exactly. John Tempsey, wasn't well, he? You know, if, you know, so, so one of the reasons that they don't want to ordain me is because, and I've seen this. I know we're skipping forward and back, but sure. they didn't tell me the reasons. So right. I sent a subject access request in and I found that all the emails between the bishops about me. Mm-hmm. And there's been a long sustained campaign since the beginning of my discernment from, from a particular bishop who says Calvin does not believe that this church is institutionally racist. Therefore, we should keep an eye on his ordination process. So from day one, I'd be mocked and wow. blackboard for not falling in line with his particular politics. And it turns out that a lot of them have that politics. I sat there with a very senior bishop, and said... So how many bishops get involved in one person's oh, ordination? This is one person's ordination. Usually, How come usually lots of bishops one. are discussing it? Usually it's one. But <clears throat> at least three bishops have been discussing this, and the Archbishop of Canterbury have all been discussing this situation, and sharing my tweets, and saying that I'm divisive, and all, all these things, for just affirming Christian values. You, wow. Just doing that at these, this day and age, within the church, is seen as a big no-no. You've got to be subtle, you've got to be inoffensive and you've got to make sure that you're taking on board the latest trend whether that's blm or lgbtq plus plus or whatever uh, current mo- movement is big in the secular public so square. you've seen these emails that they exchanged yeah. and they they wanted to block you and, and ended up deciding to actually block yeah. you is that right yeah and i've, I've seen so, emails that they decided publicly yeah weeks and months in advance of actually having a conversation while i was chasing them for a conversation to find out what's going to happen yeah. they already decided between themselves that it wasn't going to go ahead Wow. So there's a lot of dishonesty. That particular curacy or any curacy? Well, that's the thing. So that particular curacy. But then, of course, you have to, I'm sure you guys know within the structure, you have to have your curacy settled by you know the summer before you start. So at this point, they were using time as a weapon against me. Because now, it's, I, you know, technically, I could apply to different dioceses around the country, but it's too late. They've already filled their quota. They've already hired all the curates for the incomes, for the patches right. that I have. Right. So there is no option to go elsewhere. Right. And, and they knew that in London when they were doing this. Right. And, and, and then, you know, the public, public statement from the bishops is, we wish Calvin well. He is still an ordinand, but there just aren't enough curacies in London. And that's an out, another outright lie, because there are so many priests in London that have offered to train me. To off, they've offered to be my incumbent right. and take me on as a curate. Right. And some of these have presented themselves to the bishops and said, look, we'll, we'll take him. And the bishops are say, just saying either, no, it's not happening. And, there are, and or, there are people that are crying out to... That, that need to be served, that, yeah. that need you know, that need people exactly like you uh, on the ground. It's a corrupt not, hierarchy. Are, it's a corrupt, and you are not ashamed of the gospel. And I think that what so what's, what's extraordinary to me about this, the most extraordinary thing is that they would lie about what actually so is, the, is the state. Actually, the bishops are lying, have lied. You know that they lied. On it. I said, look. I'm, I'm hearing three different reasons why I'm not being ordained. I, I honestly, to this day, do not know why I'm not being ordained. Could you give me some clarity? Mm-hmm. You know, you're saying to you're saying to the media that there aren't enough curacies. I know that there are. I've seen in the emails that uh, bishops have an issue with my stance on racism. That, that I don't think it's institutional in the church. Mm. And what was the other reason? Um, oh, that there would be too many complaints about me if they ordained me. I found that there'd been a handful of complaints. I, th- I was expecting hundreds because, you know, I'm on mainstream media. So I thought, I thought oh, people will complain about me all the time. There was a handful of complaints. One yeah. of them was 
Calvin believes that men should be more masculine. I absolutely believe men should be more masculine. We should of have course. a masculine <laughs> What world. else should men be? That's why, <laughs> that's why communities are falling apart and families are falling apart yes. and men aren't taking responsibility. Yes. Um, and the other complaints were by anonymized or redacted priests, gay priests in the Church of England who didn't like my stance on mar the sanctity of marriage right. and or didn't like my stance on um, trans issues. So this is now theology and ethics. It's not just politics. Absolutely. So they they actually objected to you. Oh, that's the complaints. That so I put in. I put those three uh, things to the bishops. So which what's the what's the yeah. reason? And they and they said, well, we don't talk about things, individual cases publicly. That's why we're saying that there are no curacies. I'm like, well, that's still that's not appropriate. That's a lie. But anyway, they wouldn't give me an out and out reason why. They said, well, you maybe come back next year and try again. And you know, we're not getting we're not saying no. Right. But they are. It's, it's, if this was, you've got to come in line. If this was a real, to, you've yeah. got to tone down. You've got, you've just got to be silent. And, and yeah, be silent. Said, she, be silent. One of them said to me, "Quit, you know, start your Twitter again." You can still say on Twitter, but start it again. I'm like, okay, so I'll disregard all the hundreds of thousands of people that are, are following me because they want to hear the good news, or follow me for political reasons because they don't feel heard and the the silent majority. I'll disregard all those people. I'll disregard my sense of duty to them and start from scratch. Because people are crying out for the good news. Exactly. People are crying out for clarity. People are crying out for someone to say, uh, well, to actually to bring men hope, mm. to say to men, you are, you know, understand the, the role that you have, understand the part that you can play, understand how you can be good husbands, good fathers. Imagine a world, imagine a world where our young boys were growing up with that being modeled and exactly. promoted in society, uh, where we're actually this uh, kind of a regard for marriage, where a, a purity, before marriage was being promoted and the mm. idea that a man would so love his wife yeah. that we would that, that they would enter into marriage pure imagine that kind of countercultural stance which is in fact so freeing so mm. beautiful so holy when it's spoken people love it and people respond mm. and all that you've said here reminds me of mark chapter 8 where jesus um when where jesus tells us not to be ashamed mm. uh not just of him it's not about we can sort of say that we like Jesus or love Jesus in yeah. the public space, but it's about not being ashamed of him and his words. Yeah. It's, it's his righteousness. It's all the things that follow from him. Yeah. Um, and that's the stuff that people don't want. And they're ashamed, as Carol just said, they're ashamed. It's, it's being ashamed yeah. of, of, of and, the... And when the, when the bishops say, you know, you're too divisive with, with this, I'm like, the gospel is divisive. It's the most scandalous message in human history. Mm. But also, they, they want to appease everyone. And I don't think Christ was an appeaser. I think he rebuked people when they were wrong. And yeah. I'm not saying he was rude about it, but he was upfront about it. He said, no, you are wrong. This is the way. And he quite clearly said that he is the truth and the way and the life. And there's only one truth. There aren't multiple subjective truths. There, there is one be. truth. And he and, is but the truth. we live truth. in a world where people want, where every truth is, yes. uh, it, or, or every idea is uh, viewed as an equivalent truth. Or subjectivized. Or, or, or subjectivized, yeah. or, yes. But we don't look at the Realized. evidence anymore. So the evidence would suggest that if a family breaks down while, while they have children that are under 18, those children are twice as likely to fail at school. They're twice as likely to end up homeless and they're yeah. more than twice as likely to end up in prison and or on drugs. These, this yeah. is the downfall of our society. This is yeah. the downfall of the Western society. And that's because we've lost this you know, male responsibility of, of being the father figure. There, there are so many single parent families now and you can't talk about that issue because people say, how dare you be against single mothers? And it's not about being against anyone. It's about no. saying- We're for no, the single mothers. We're for them because, because they deserve the support of exactly. responsible male 
adults exactly. too. This is a two-way relationship. And it goes to the abortion debate as well. It's like, mm. you know, we want to protect unborn life. And that's yep. not taking away a woman's rights. That's saying a man has to be responsible too. If you're going to yep. be entering sexual relations, you have to consider the big picture and where does sex fall in a relationship? Mm. You know, the Christian doctrine is that it falls between marriage, which which is the love of a man and a woman yep. united under God. Yep. Like if we didn't forget all these things, we wouldn't be in the mess that we're in right now. Absolutely no, right. Be, and and the other, for me, it's not, it, then we will see also uh, the the restoration of to the to a good place of our men of men in society. Absolutely. There are so yeah. many men who haven't had the yeah. role models who don't know what they're meant to do. Yeah. Who yeah. Um, even in our schools, what, oh, yeah. what our young what our young people are being taught means that they have no real sense of identity or the place. They're over-sexualized. They're yeah. introduced to all of these concepts far too young. They don't need to know them. Uh, they, um, then we have a society, you know, access mm. to pornography. All of these things confuse and muddle them. So, so Callum, where does this leave you with the church figure now, then? Well, I mean, you, you're consulting lawyers, I've heard. Is that is there a I possible have, yeah, legal case yeah, or yeah. not? Or what? I'm consulting uh, barristers. I've put some money down to look into what where we can go with this. The issue is that the church is an old institution. That, I mean, you guys know this more than anyone. It yeah. doesn't obey employment laws in the same way as everyone else because even priests aren't employee, employees. That's true. So as an yeah. ordinant, I have very yeah. few rights yeah. um, under the, in, in the eyes of the law for, against discrimination and all these kinds of things. So I'll see what happens with that. But for the time being, I'm going to continue uh, speaking out where I can on issues like so the, the race debate within the church. Yeah. Um, I protested when the church put out a report called Lament to Action that de de defined the church as institutionally racist and then contested heritage report defined the country as institutionally racist. And I protested against How do you find people things. respond to your protests about So the Lament report was about, well, like you said, they're saying the church is institutionally racist and yep. it also has like quotas and things, doesn't exactly. it? Just, just explain that to so, people. Every leadership position in the church should have 30% shortlist of black and ethnic minority people on it. Wow. Like, let that sink in for a second. When in this country, we're still a predominantly white country. Yes. That's not a good or a bad thing. It's just a fact. The way it is, yeah. Um, mm. About 14%, or well, between 12 and 14% of people are ethnic minorities. Yeah. And then at least half of them are Muslim. <laughs> so where does the church even expect to get these <laughs> leaders no from? There's no for you. No, 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 exactly. exactly. No, 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 But what they're doing is that they're, they're taking on board positive discrimination, and I, I don't think there is any form of discrimination that's positive. I think it is always negative, in, in this in this regard, in employment and stuff like that. Yeah. So they've got these quotas. They're also looking at um, co-opting black and ethnic minority just people. Just explain that. Just just unpack that a little bit more. Okay. What is wrong with positive discrimination? So if I got elected into a position because of the color of my skin, I would feel that yeah. I, didn't, I did not earn it on merit. I'm, yeah. Maybe I'm not good enough for the role. It's just, I happen to have been born brown. I can't help that. And, and other people might think that too. But other people around me might be resentful because yes. they might have wanted the position and they might yes. not happen to be as brown as me. So therefore they might not have got it. It's yes. a disgusting, toxic, divisive ideology. It's not Christian. Yeah. It, 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 we shouldn't be using it. And it, it, I think it's terrible that the church has gone down this route. But then... We've just obviously had the general synod elections. They happen every five years. Yeah. Anybody in the country who's part of a parish can put themselves forward for election. Yeah. And the Church of England has said, actually, we need to co-opt some black and ethnic minority people onto the general synod. So there they're saying, you know, you black people aren't good enough. You're not smart enough to put yourself up for election. So after the elections are over, we're going to get some of you black people and put you on the body as well. How condescending is that? So, of course, I put myself forward. Um, <laughs> well, I hope you get on. Because I don't think they're looking for yeah. people like me. I think what, they, what they're what they looking for is more brown faces that think like them. 
Yes. And, and they are quite patronizing. And like, oh, you're a good black person because you, you know, you, you're lefty liberal like us. Uh, they want people they can pat on the back. They do not, not want people who will offer them a different perspective. Um, so I've put my name forward to be co-opted. Uh, there is a little mini election. If you are on the general synod, you get to vote. So if, vote for Calvin. <laughs> if people are watching, <laughs> please vote for me. Um, put me as your We've first preference. We've got two, two bombers of staff are on synod, and Andrea was on synod for quite a long time. Yes, for yeah. two companions. What, how did you find it being on synod, Andrea? I used to sometimes say that it felt like the loneliest place on the planet. Yeah. That's, Why um, is that? And because to speak and to stand. Um, and I really wanted those... There are many on, there are many faithful folk on Synod, um, but finding our voice, finding the voice was not, uh, is, is not easy. And it, it, but you know, I think when you read, just, just, if we just start to read the Bible, we know that it was the religious men um, that put Jesus, uh, put, put Jesus on trial, that yep. the, it, there was, it was a corrupt trial. So, so this, all of this, um, has been there since the beginning of time in many ways. And the way that people really treat Jesus um, and his truth is to, to deny it. And I think that what we, what we see in Synod, what we've seen in Synod in terms of many of its decisions, mm-hmm. for instance, approving of transgender liturgy or voting mm-hmm. to ban so-called conversion therapy, these kinds, of, these kinds of things, not making clear statements on what marriage is. Yeah having long and drawn out discussions, which are very, giving platforms, giving platforms to people that do not mm. uh, believe in, do, do not speak biblical truth, but giving so, so, So Calvin, how do you think the church got into this position, the Church of England, where, where it's ashamed, like you say, of the real gospel, mm. it's promoting, if you like, a kind of false gospel, a kind of alternative gospel, yeah. and, and you know, shutting down or wanting to shut down someone like you who's actually preaching you know, truth? I think they've just stepped too far away from the Bible. Right. Uh, you know, it says we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. And yeah. I think the Church of England as an established institution has become just another public body. It is too much of the world now. Right. Um, when it comes to any of these issues that Andrew just raised, they, the Church wants to be seen as nice. And it's, it's forgotten the difference between nice and good and right. Um, it, it wants to be ever inclusive and diverse but the church isn't called to be inclusive or diverse. Well, it's called to be not in that respect. The priest to the king, and you know, and those twenty-six bishops that are in the House of Lords. Imagine if they'd yeah. been present, making the case exactly. against bills by post, making the case for life. Exactly. How many lives would have been saved? This is why they need to go. The, is... the Lord spiritual should be the moral compass of Parliament, and if they're not doing their job, they need to be taken out there. It, it's it, and also again to make, as you say, these sort of political statements, these hard statements, you can't quite work out. What do they? What are they really saying? Are they for life? Are they not for life? Yeah. Where do they stand on these issues? What do they mean? They can't even make a clear statement, even back in 2012, 2013, on what 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 marriage is. No, no. Um, so when you're left in that position, or but they just need sin- to return to the book. All these things are in the book. They're all in the just book. Just take it out of the book. But the point about being on general synod is that we could not, could not be clear about what the gospel was. We we were speaking different gospels, right, right. and even those people that believe the true gospel. Yeah. Uh, were fearful of speaking the true gospel in in synod. Um, of course not. There are, as I said, of course not everyone. I'm just saying about what it it's very intimidating. It's very, very intimidating. intimidating. Yeah. And then, and then sometimes I felt that just for trying that even those. Whereas was, you've got openly gay ministers who, who are can't, quite who proud stand up, and, who are given the platform, yeah. but yeah. even just for trying, you're then sort of boxed off. Or if you'd only said that uh, in a 
in a less shrill way. Yeah. So I think we've been it's very all... shrill on this program today. But it is always. I think we've been very, you're they'll very they'll say it's the program. tone, isn't it? It's, it's not what tone. you say, it's how you it's say it. Tone. The amount of times I've heard that. Yeah, I Oof. know. Oh, I try to I try <laughs> to be very you know, I never shout. Exactly. Yes. But it's not really a tone, it's not really the way we're saying it, it's what we're saying. You know, and these people, a lot of they're good people. They're just misguided. And what it is, it's a misunderstanding of the word love. They want to seem like they're loving everyone, especially when it comes to the marriage debate or the LGBT yeah. debate. They want to be seen as welcoming these people in. And of course we should welcome, we should welcome everyone in. Yes. But I always say this, to be changed through an experience with Christ. Yes. You don't welcome people as they are. That is not scriptural. Welcoming is not the same as affirming. I, absolutely. Yeah. And we all have to, yeah. you know, the, the Bible is hard. Living a life in Christ is hard. Mm. We cannot shape Christ around our lives. We have to shape our lives around Christ. Yeah. We've become lazy. It's it's a convenient. So, do you thing. think there's any redemption? Do you think? Do you think what do you think for the church? Has, the it, church. has it passed the point of no return here? Because it's it has become incredible. When you've got bishops lying to you like that and and preaching a false gospel, yeah. effectively, yeah. you know, it's become incredibly corrupt, as you say yourself. You know, what's what's your take on that, Calvin? Well, you know. People have asked me a similar question in that why why do you want to join the Church of England? Right. If it's so woke and, and so anti-scriptural and yes. counter-scriptural, why do you want to join it? Yes. And it's it's not that I want to join the Church of England. It's like I feel called to ordained ministry. And in this realm, right. the Church of England is the established church. It is, you know, right. it's, the, it's the most obvious way to do that. But I've been going along the line of I believe it can be pulled back on track. And I've been going along the line of we can reform it from within. Right. But recently, I've been looking at not just my situation, but other people's situations. Like Bernard Exactly. Yeah. And, and since I've gone public, so many priests have reached out to me and laity and said similar stories that they can't share publicly because either they'll be starved out, you know, right. their stipends will be removed, right. or they'll get a CDM, a clergy disciplinary we've measure. Got the, we've got or, many of these cases. Yeah, I'm sure and, you've got them all. We've got... And, 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 you know, it's cruel. The system is cruel. The silence is oppressive, is what it it's is. It's oppressive because everyone is tied in one way or another. The rules are, well, they feel uh, they're very opaque. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's no now, policy, there's, there's no, no procedure. They, they do what and, they like. Exactly. But my opinion has been that we can reform from within. But I've looked, I've stepped back and looked at the bigger picture and thought, am I just like saying the Remain argument from the E referendum that I argued against for so many years? And I think actually I probably am. I don't know if we can reform it from within. I think it might be time to look at disestablishmentarianism, the, big, the longest word in English dictionary. <laughs> um, it might be a chance Anti for us to say... Well, yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do we need to separate church and states? Because we always say render unto Caesar. But at this point, we were just talking earlier that, that actually Athens has overtaken Jerusalem. And the state is looked at for moral responsibility, uh, moral superiority, and the church isn't stepping forward. Over the last yeah. couple of years... We had the biggest opportunity we've ever had in living history to step for the church to step forward into a void and say, we are here for you. Jesus Christ loves you. But what did they do? They slammed closed the doors, not just to the faithful masses, not just for the people who are lost and maybe exploring their faith, but to the clergy themselves and said, you cannot pray for the souls of the people in your parish any longer. That, that can, can't be anything other than demonic. I don't understand how that cannot be evil. No, the churches have yeah. never been closed, not even through the world wars, and and the, and the, and the church can't, the, the state can't dictate to the church whether or not we, whether whether or not we open. And I feel that you know those people that under, 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 understood that, but it was at a time when people needed yeah. the people on the ground yeah. needed the church, needed the hope of Jesus Christ more than yeah. ever. Yeah. And yeah. you know, at, at the end of the day, the true church um, will always rise, yeah. and that's and this is and and what we. 
would hope to see in the United Kingdom is that those that really love Jesus and are not ashamed of the gospel and not ashamed of his words, that we will see a vibrant movement that grows and that speaks to government, but changes and shapes the culture. Yeah. yeah. What is what is which Lisa Ryan's sort of next question? What is your antidote to the sort of wokeness, for want of a better word, or or yeah. all this kind of stuff in terms, in terms of society as a whole? If you're sort of giving up on the church, what's what's your antidote? Not giving up on the church, but right. I don't have faith in the church of England. Okay, clarify. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I I think the answer is always simple: return to scripture. Right. And as Anglicans, more than anyone, we should be promoting that message. Yeah. Return to the formularies, a return to scripture. And I think if we look at what's happening abroad. The Anglican communion in the African continent is strong, yeah. it's thriving yeah. because they are affirming the faith and yeah. Christian values. And, and they're not ashamed of it. Not ashamed of it, not embarrassed yeah. of it. And they're yeah. maybe a bit embarrassed and ashamed of what we're doing over here, actually. Yes. They are deep, but yes. they don't understand it. Of course they, they don't, because it's not it. what we're doing isn't Christian anymore. They can't believe it. Wherever we go in the world, wherever yeah. we, mm. we now get so, What are you guys doing? <laughs> but it's the same in North America. The GAFCON movement gives me hope to see them step away from the Episcopal Church and actually say, we are going to be Orthodox Anglicans and we're going to maintain that orthodoxy um, despite what's happening. And, you know, they said they're not coming over to Lambeth, for example, because the Archbishop of Canterbury cannot be non-woke on issues of LGBT and, and trans rights issues. Um, and cannot affirm the sanctity of marriage in a mm -hmm. Christian sense. Um, yeah. So they're saying, okay, we won't engage with you at this point because we're not going to engage with you unless you can. We're on a, a, an equal footing. We're on the same platform, which is scriptural. Yeah. If we're not going to have a debate that is rooted in Christ, what is the point? Yeah. And I like that. So they've got strength and they're growing and thriving. So if we had a movement over here like that, yeah. um, so if some momentum started building, I think there'd be a lot but of... But do you think people are looking saying, for, yes. you know, people are hungry for some objective oh. truth, objective morality and, and spiritual reality and that kind of thing? There's a harvest out there? Look, at, look around us. This, this world is ever darkening and people are mm. looking for that shining light. People are looking mm. for the church, big C to step up and say, look, we are countercultural. We mm. have a tradition uh, and we have a faith. And we have answers to all these questions that you're looking for. And, and just provide that. It's simple. But we have a church that's obsessed with chasing societal norms and culture. And you can never we're do that because you're always 10 years behind. Effect, we're very sad reflection, but actually what we, we, we need to be setting the standard for society Absolutely. rather than letting rather than society set the standard for us. And it is to, and, and also just to have a fully all view of the, of the gospel of what it really is and there, there isn't there is nothing out, out, out with the gospel so every sphere every aspect of life and this idea that um, as a community of believers we will um promote and keep and families to, together we we as a family as, a, as as the church we we operate as a family yeah. within the within within the church we look after one another yeah. that means we'll make sure that our children are educated well that they won't they don't need to be exposed to all the stuff that the state is currently throwing mm -hmm. at us. I think some of the hope, Tim, is in the fact that we're really seeing the kind of absolute outworking of the 1960s sexual revolution yeah. in, yeah. and that my, I, was, I was born in the 1960s. My parents' generation pretty much were in the swinging 60s. Mm -hmm. They gave up God. And then, then my generation of parents were the, the second generation that had given up on God. And so then our children, our children's children. Yeah. Now we're reaping the fruit of it. But, but there are those, and the, this third, fourth yeah. generation, they don't know what it is to be made in the image of God. They don't know what marriage really is. They don't know uh, who Jesus is. They don't yeah. know the concepts such as They're confused sin, about morality. Why do yeah. I feel guilty? What, you know, they, they, because sometimes they're taught that evil is good. Yes. And, and, and then they don't understand why that messes with them. Yeah. 
and they have to see, see and they, they see the how hurt the hurt the lack of lack of worth lack of identity all of this confusion and in the midst of all of that um what can break through well it's the power of the gospel of course the power of the gospel can break through and with that will come beautiful schools and beautiful hospitals mm. and beautiful a beautiful change of environment that we believe and in. churches and churches mm. church is the center of all of that the local church is the center of all of that yeah yep. um, yeah absolutely. So that's that's how we can see revival but it's the christians in our country that need to have the courage to speak it yeah. like the early disciples and believe because the early disciples also they, they would say who are these unschooled men mm. so you don't have to be schooled you just have to have faith and start doing it and then it was the power that same power that rose uh, the lord jesus christ um, from the dead to overcome sin that was at work within them so that thousands were added to their number and there were signs and wonders well i believe that there can be when i say signs and wonders just people being turned away from this terrible depression and oppression mm. that that is all pervading in our society the hope the sense of hope and being healed healed being, of all sorts of things including of, sexual problems and all this kind of stuff all of it L lots of healing and all the hurt lots of relationships of and yeah. you know just a different beautiful way you know this kind of holiness is happiness the yeah. beauty in christ yeah. is beauty of soul is hope and mm. the, this nation is mm. crying out for, and the gospel in the gospel mm. is the the gospel is the answer yeah. scripture it is how now to quite live. simple isn't it it's really? very simple philosophically i think you're spot on the sexual revolution was that our downfall but i think it started with the enlightenment yes and we forget right. that science yes. came from the faith yes. not the other way around Correct. and we've like you said, we've forgotten that we're made in the image of God because now we think we are God. Just to explain that for our viewers, the Enlightenment and, and what went wrong there. The, it's, the idea is the spark of individualism. It's the right. spark of we are at the centre of the universe mm -hmm. and that's why the truth is no longer objective and that's why it's subjective and we own it because we shape it ourselves. We've become individual gods. Um, and trying to become independent of God, isn't it? That's, it, that's it kind is, of essentially. But people know deep yeah. down, people know yeah. there is a, a universal truth. People know... Um, that there are men and women, for example, mm. and, and people know they're being lied to at the moment. And that's why they're so lost, because they know there aren't 99 genders. Yes. And people know that God made, but people know there are two, two genders, but what they don't know is that God made them man and woman. So we need to be there and say, look, the book tells us, here's the, you know the truth already, but here yeah. is why it's the truth. Yeah, yeah. So what's next for you, Calvin, then? You know, you've sort of been blocked from church being a ministry, it appears. Mm. What do you do next? Um, so I'm launching my show on GB News. Uh, addressing cultural issues centered great. around faith and family so that'll be on a Sunday. i love the way you're unashamed of your faith in, in your media it's great thank you thank you yeah well I, I mean i was shy about it at first i was, right. like, I, was like, I don't want to do too much christian stuff right. i don't want it to be too but then i thought actually no of course i do because everything i'm doing I, I try to live my life shaped around the gospel i try to live a life in christ so why would mm. i not be overt with that in what i'm saying mm. and then obviously I, i've talked about having the feeling that this platform has been gifted to me and yes. it's a sense of duty and obligation to use it for the good news so it all came yes. together and i thought i'm just actually going to speak up and then the more i did the more people said oh thank you for encouraging us um yeah. to to I'm also so be affirming I'm so christians to God that, that that is actually the case because again even christians even because a lot of christians are I mean, real ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I feel like there's a kind of way that you need to say it. They kind of need to be yeah. very prepped or that they need to be 
quiet about it for a long yeah. time before taking the moment. Well, in fact, I just want to say to all the Christians out there, please just speak it. Absolutely. Speak the truth. And the more of us that keep on speaking it, the more that people will hear it, the more, mm. the more that it will be in the noise. We've stayed out of the conversation for yeah. far too long. Jesus That's Christ it. is the truth. He is a public figure. Yeah. He is a political figure at the end of the day. He is, he is Lord. He is King. Mm. But all of this, in term, he just is. Mm. So let's not take him out of the public conversation it's as if we somehow think if we sort of talk around it a bit or talk about what the truths are or um that we'll somehow get there in the end people will be convinced because we'll be so persuasive but the persuasion is in the power of the gospel and not to be ashamed of it and and people don't know what the church stands for anymore and that's not because we've changed our values it's Mm. because we've stopped talking about it that's exactly it we need to be out there in the public square saying this you know we have to affirm our values Mm. and what we believe in You're, you're spot on Mm. And but you're still planning to go into church ministry as well. I mean, it, God willing, we'll have to see what right. what what plan God unfolds for me. You know, yeah. as as they say, one one door closes, another door opens. So I'm trying at least to observe that and keep my ears to the ground, have my eyes open, and walk through whatever door God opens for me. Isn't well, it wonderful? Yeah. I think something that's wonderful in life, again, just as Christians, just to know when we walk in God's light, yeah. is that no matter what befalls us, and I say this very often in our cases. Um, it's wonderful to know that he is sovereign, that he nothing nothing happens out with his yeah. permission, yeah. out with and that um we are not called to simply be faithful, to trust, to do our best, to yeah. submit, and that he works all things together for the good of those that love Absolutely. him. Absolutely. And we thank God, Calvin, for your platform, and we pray that you will forever be. Well, I was going to say we should pray that the the next door that opens is going to be a better one than the ones that have been closed. So I I need Um, a door where I'm able to do ministry. I think if I had been ordained in the Church of England, I would have been battling every day just to be Christian within that structure. Yeah. You know, it would have been a battle against CDMs and bishops, and you've said something inappropriate. You know, I've got priest friends who have said, nothing wrong that are being disciplined and sent to therapists and all kinds Bernard of stuff. Randall is, yeah. Bernard Randall is like the, the, the prime example, to, isn't he? To, to, to it's think just, properly, to oh, reported to safeguarding, dangerous it's outrageous. children. It's, it's totally outrageous. But how can you preach? How can you work your ministry when that you're constantly battled with, from within? And there's so much we need to battle from without. There is. Yeah. So I think that's the reason. I mean, I don't know the reason, but I think that's probably part of the reason I didn't actually get ordained in the Church of England because yeah. there's a bigger battle out there that we need to fight. Well, Calvin, we love what you're doing. We appreciate it. And we'll pray that God opens the right door for you. And we'll keep watching and listening and hearing what you're doing. Um, Thank you you for being a voice for truth um, in the public square. And thank you for your passion for church ministry as well. We really appreciate it. Yes, it's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for joining us today. Uh, Do follow us, watch us, uh, connect with us in various social media platforms. And we'll look forward to seeing you again next week. Thank you very much. God bless.